As we uh, close out uh, this year, 2020, this being the final Sunday of 2020, um, I wanted to just give us a few reflections, some things to think about as we end the year. Uh, I know that uh, for most of us, and I know certainly this has been the case for myself, 2020 has been the most difficult year of many of our lifetimes. This has been uh, a year, of course, with horrible sickness and death that has been pervasive, uh, even as I think about uh, our city uh, back in the spring and just how incredibly devastating uh, that was, the ways that our city suffered. It's, it's heartbreaking to, re to remember it. And of course, uh, we're still not out of it. Of course, we're still uh, disoriented. It's still very hard. And we know that there's still more yet to come. Uh, we think about this year when uh, we've been again confronted with issues of justice, uh, those issues being on the forefront of our minds. We were again confronted uh, with a reminder of the continued injustice that can, uh, that still pervades our systems and our institutions. Uh, and as a result, it's been a year of unrest and protest and demands for change. Uh, and yet, even though that's been the case, we know that there's still much more to come. Uh, this has been a year uh, that's arguably been uh, a year of some of the greatest political division uh, that we've ever seen. For those on either side of the political spectrum, uh, we often see those that are uh, on the other side as evil, and we see them as a threat to society, and as a result, we end up talking past each other in ways that proves uh, our complete lack of interest in learning and listening and working together, uh, and we know that there's still more yet to come. Uh, and then even within the church, of course, that divide has been the case in politics, uh, but we also know that's been the case uh, in the American church because it's been a year of uh, idolatrous ideologies like Christian nationalism becoming normative and pervasive. Uh, we can't even agree about what it means to honor the dignity of life in other image bearers to know what it means to honor the dignity of life from womb to tomb. We can't agree about what biblical justice ought to look like in and through the church. We can't even agree about what it means to be a responsible citizen who loves their neighbor. And we know that there is still so much more yet to come. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired. And I am uh, so eager for 2020 to finally be over. Uh, but as we all know, many of the circumstances that made 2020 so challenging, uh, those circumstances are still going to be with us for the foreseeable future. And so the question then becomes, and this is, I say all that to say, what, what do we do? What are we supposed to do with um, these realities? Should we uh, find ourselves in despair? Should we give in to the expectations of the day and um, be filled with the vitriolic disdain that seems to be so pervasive? Uh, do we fall into the pervading ideologies of the day? I mean, is that our only option? And I would say, no, it's really not our only option. Why? Because even though this year has been one of the most difficult years, it's also been a year where we've experienced God's faithfulness in profound ways. I mean, the Christian perspective on turbulent times is different than the perspective for many. The reason being is that there is no circumstance that will ultimately prove itself purposeless for the Christian. 
And we know this to be true because Scripture has over and over again uh, promises us that there is purpose. I think one of the, uh, of course, most famous verses about that idea is Romans uh, 8.28. And it's a verse that uh, often gets misapplied uh, because the first part of that verse says, We know that in all things God works for good. And for some, this verse ends up meaning that all things are going to work out for good in, in the ways that we tend to define good. But that is a complete misunderstanding of Paul's statement, uh, and it actually makes no practical sense. Uh, what we are, um, what we, re the realities of sickness and death in our world, violence and hatred and the like, I mean, prove to us that there are bad things in the world, and some of those bad things do not just go away, and some of those bad things will ultimately even lead to our death. Death, of course, being the ultimate evil that we will all experience. And so, what then is Paul talking about in Romans 8, 28? Well, if you know that verse, you know that that's only part of the verse. The verse goes on to say, and we know that all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I mean, Paul is making the case for the Christian that trusts in the sovereign plan of God. That as we align ourselves with that sovereign plan, with those purposes of God, that in the long run, it will all work out for our good. I mean, consider just the, the context of what Paul's talking about in Romans 8 fully. You know, in, in verses 1 through 8, uh, Paul has shown that for those who are in Christ, that there is now no condemnation. That means that our sins, our failures, none of it will any longer um, lead to our eternal destruction. And then in verses 9 through 11, we're told that the spirit who raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit who will also raise us from the dead in the last days, giving us glorious bodies. That means that there is no sickness or death or disease that gets the final say. Rather, the resurrection of Jesus is our final say. Verses 4 through 16 of Romans 8 tells us that we uh, can be assured that we are children of God. And as a result, we become heirs, which means a couple of things. It means, one, that there's no corrupt kingdom uh, that has final authority over us. It's ultimately God's rule and reign over us that has uh, final authority. It also tells us that all the brokenness of the relationships that we experience here all the broken relationships that we experience in friendships and in families, that uh, that will not be the totality of the experience of the Christian for those who are in Christ will one day experience complete relational wholeness with him. Verse 18 tells us that our present suffering, the, the experiences of the now, as we seek to be faithful in Christ, will only pale in comparison to the glories that we will experience one day. Present suffering has nothing on what is to come. When I think about that, um, I think about that in relation to, to childbirth. You know, this idea that this pain, the, the pain of labor, pales in comparison to the, to the glories of holding the child. So I'm told. In verses 19 through 22, we're told that there will be a new heaven and a new earth that all creation yearns for that day. Verses 23 and 25 tells us that groaning that is to come. 
is a groaning uh, that comes deep within us, comes deep within all of creation, but the Spirit strengthens us in our weakness and intercedes for us as a result. Verses 26 and 27 says, And then after having said all that, Paul then gets to what he says in verse 28, For we know that all things work for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Here is what I want us to remember coming out of 2020. That for those in Christ, there is nothing that stands in the way of the promises that have been made to us. But that we must have eyes to see beyond present darkness. We need to remember that we must hope and believe that the troubles of this world may beat us down and maybe even take our lives, but they do not get the final say. I mean, Paul puts this perfectly in 2 Corinthians 4 when he says that we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. May this be an encouragement to us as we come out of one of the most difficult years that God calls us, yes, to be faithful and to resist the patterns of this world, to stand for what is good, right, true, and noble, but that no matter what may come, he calls us to trust in him and be faithful in him because he's made promises to us and he is sovereign and in control and all things will work together for good to those who are called according to his purposes, to those who love him. And so we trust Jesus. We look to Jesus for Jesus is a reminder of, of all the promises of God. He proves that the promises of God are all true and will come to pass. And so may this year a very difficult year, be a year that deepens our trust in him. Doesn't make it more shallow, but deepens that trust that all things are going to work for good. We don't understand how, I don't know how, but I trust that God is at work. As we come out of 2020 and as we step into 2021, I pray that that truth deepens within us. I pray that for you. I pray that for myself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're a sovereign, powerful God who reigns supreme over all things. And God, we don't understand all the reasons why you do what you do. We don't understand um, what you are doing in uh, the places that we cannot see. But God, we trust you. For Jesus, as we look to Jesus, we are reminded um, that you are for our good. You are committed to our good. And so would you encourage us in that, Lord, in the midst of these continued hard times. And Lord, I pray that as we step out of 2020 and into 21, we do pray, Lord, that you would be at work and that you would heal divisions, that you would heal sicknesses, uh, and that, Lord, we would finally come out of this really dark season that we have been in. Lord, we trust you in all things, and we trust that you're with us. It's all this in Jesus' name. Amen.